welcome in luke how you doing tonight man i'm doing great glad to be here how about yourself very good trying to stay warm it's cold down here on the coast unfortunately yeah no i hear that i think it's cold everywhere right now where are you at today where, where's your location i'm actually in texas right now um and it's it's pretty cold here and i know back in alabama uh they've got school shut down so far the entire yeah. week so far it's already shut down tomorrow so uh you know the south is struggling to <laughs> adapt to uh i used to live in minnesota so it's like i you know i have a hard time being super sympathetic whenever it's like way know, a quarter inch of ice and then the city shut down for a week but that that's where we are <laughs> people here just aren't built for that i don't think the infrastructure no, is either man. i get it you know i mean when you don't have snow plows when you don't you know you're not used to it like it's it's a different animal so i mean people would be dying if it was 120 degrees in minnesota so you know i, I get it <laughs> yeah they shut school down around here for sure uh I know last year it froze, but to be honest with you, in all my years of being around this area, I've never seen it this cold. So hopefully it lets up quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been rough. Uh, it's certainly not what people are used to, even for it being in January, you know, it's, it's still kind of a different animal, uh, than, than I think what most people are accustomed to. I was watching that chiefs game the other night and I was just like, Oh my gosh, like I cannot even imagine either being a fan there and trying to sit through this game or being a player and trying to, you know, get hit or hit guy. I mean, just the thought of that, I was just like, I, I felt pain secondhand just thinking about that. Shattering helmets, man. That's how cold yeah, it is. That was, I've never seen that before. Me either, um, to be honest. That uh, was nuts. DeMarcus said it's 15 degrees in Dallas right now. So that's cold yeah. for Texas too. He's right. It is. It's Yeah. Where it's not it's not warm uh i'll put it that way <laughs> denzel said 10 in stl yeah denzel you got it man i'm good i can't do it they're a little like, more used to that i feel like oh for sure they're made for that climate but mm, us down here texas the south in general it, we're feeling it for sure but man yeah. i'm glad you came on again like i said it's good to talk with you we've interacted on twitter x whatever you want to call it for for a while now and I know you've always been on the USFL side of things, a pretty pretty strong component of that media or fan group. Um, so it's yeah. great to hear some of your opinions, your expertise, and just get to know you better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. One of the fun things about this uh, whole merger business has been, you know, there's some people on the XFL side. I follow the XFL. I watch some of the games, but certainly not to the degree that I did the USFL. So, you know, there's some guys out there that I'm aware of, but it's been fun the last couple – weeks and months kind of getting that crossover and getting to know more people who cover the leagues on, on, you know, either side and that sort of thing. And certainly it's a privilege for you to, to have me on here. Agreed. Agreed. I appreciate your time, man. I know it's, it, you just did a show last night as well. So I know you're, you're, you're back to back here. So that's right. Action. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me feel uh, famous, even if it's, if it's not true. <laughs> you are famous, man. You're famous amongst the UFL crowd and that, that's enough. Well, you know, uh, you got to take what you can get, right? Yes, sir. That's what we do around here. No doubt. You got to start uh, somewhere. Let's talk a little bit more about you. Some of my fans, I don't know if they're familiar with you, so I just want to ask you a couple questions. I always kind of get people's backgrounds and what they do. So I was just going to ask you, tell me more about you, uh, where you come from, and, and what got you started in covering the Birmingham Stallions. Yeah, so I... um I'm not originally from Birmingham. 
Um, I actually am originally from West Virginia and went to college in Minnesota. So that's why I lived there. But I went to move to Alabama for graduate school in 2017. And uh, when I moved there, because I was going to grad school and Birmingham, you know, it's a decent sized city. I mean, you got about um, a million people in the metro area. Um, but you know, it's not massive, right? It's not, it's not a Dallas, it's not a New York, it's not a LA. So, and a lot of people who are there, especially at the, at that time, you know, I was in my early to mid twenties, a lot of people were out of college, already had friends, all this kind of thing. So anyway, long way of saying I was new to the city. I was kind of trying to connect with people, just, you know, find ways to kind of get plugged in, meet, meet, make friends, all that kind of good stuff. And, um, you know, it just, it takes longer than you would like for it to, right. But, uh, I'd been there for about two years or a year and a half or so. And this thing called the AAF was kicking off. Oh yeah. And, you know, I was like, um, you know, what, what's up with this? You know, I I'm 31. So I was alive when the XFL came, came around in 2001, but I was, I was pretty young and like, I kind of knew what it, what it was or that it was happening, but you know, it was a little scandalous. I don't think my parents were like pushing it on me. Yep. And, um, I think I, I, you know, I was, it was in the spring. So I was into basketball and baseball and that kind of thing. So all that to say, like, I hadn't really followed many of these kind of previous spring football leagues before. And, um, I, uh, saw somebody ask about Canton Bulldogs. It's actually Mississippi state Bulldogs. So <laughs> I, my, I don't have any Mississippi state connections other than my father-in-law went there. So I wore this for him, but, um, great, great, uh, historical reference and question there though, foosball fan. Uh, so I, um, uh, was it, where was it? Oh, so when the AF kicked off, I was kind of intrigued. Right. And I was, you know, I didn't have a lot to do, um, you know, in the city at the time. Again, like I said, I was still kind of just making friends, that sort of thing. So I was like, well, I'm going to check out these games and see what it, what it's all about. Right. And long story short, you know, I went and I just kind of hook, line and sinker fell in love with it. You know, um, obviously I think most people who follow that league know Luis Perez was our quarterback for the Birmingham iron, who obviously still a familiar figure to all of us. And so hearing his story about how he like taught himself to play quarterback, watching YouTube videos, you know, the, the whole spiel, we all know it. I don't need sure. to go through it, but you know, just kind of like, I was just kind of, I played football growing up and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, obviously eventually reached my point where I wasn't able to, to continue playing anymore, but hearing some of these guys that kind of, um, you know, the, either they, you know, just got cut from an NFL roster or they got injured. Otherwise, they probably would be in the NFL. Or again, like a guy like Perez, who just kind of, you know, D3, D2, like came out of nowhere, taught himself how to play. Like, there's just kind of these crazy stories. And I was just kind of captivated by, you know, um, what the opportunity this this league, the AAF at the time, was providing these players. And, um, and it was just a really great way for me to connect with people in the city, right? Like I would go to the game with some of the friends that I had made and we met, you know, other people there. And it was just like one of the first times, you know, in Alabama, everybody either loves the Crimson Tide, right? Or the Tigers. That's like what it's all about. Well, I moved there from Minnesota. I'm, I was a big 10 guy. I went to college at Minnesota. So like, I didn't really have a dog in the fight on that front. So everybody, you know, wants to get around and talk, well, what's the latest Bama news? What's the latest Auburn news? And, you know, I didn't really care. I didn't really have connections with either school at the time. So it was hard for me to connect on that level. But once the iron came around, it was like, hey, here's something that in the city of Birmingham, you know, I can kind of rally around with with the community. And so anyway, all that to say, I really fell in love with it. And then, of course, we know what happened with the AAF. And, you know, that was really sad. And then XFL 2020 came around. And I followed that pretty closely, too, because a lot of the players, you know, from the AAF carried over into that league. But unfortunately, Birmingham didn't have a team. And so when in 
obviously we know what happened with that league too. So then in 2022, when the USFL announced that they were coming back and it, it was kind of rumored that they were going to have the whole uh, league based in Birmingham, um, you know, where I was living um, and, and have a Birmingham team and everything. I was, you know, they, as soon as I heard that, you know, I was like refreshing Reddit and Twitter and everything like every day trying to get the latest, latest news. Cause I was, I was, you know, already all in. And then, um, you know, fast forward two years later, obviously here, we, here we are now been fortunate enough that the USFL stuck around a couple of years. Obviously the XFL came back and it's been a, it's been a fun time to be a, a football spring football fan in Birmingham. Cause obviously the success that the, the stallions have had. So they've been a very easy team to sort of fall in love with. And, um, you know, the first year in 2022, I was really just a fan. So I followed the, the league very closely. You know, I was in some like discord threads these sorts of things like keeping up with the team talking to people about the team thought about maybe doing some of the things like i'm doing now but i was just like i don't know you know do i have the time for that you know but the second year um this past season uh, i talked to my wife about it you know I, I wanted to get her blessing and she was like honestly you spend so much time reading about it and looking into it anyway like you might as well put it to you know put that time to good use and share it with somebody else so kind of started doing it and um you know had enough fun with it and i guess you know people appreciated some of the things I was doing enough to make me feel like it wasn't a complete waste of time. So I just kind of stuck with it. And then, you know, all the changes and everything that's happened over the past year, you know, that, that kind of gets us up to today. Hey, that's a pretty good story, man. It gives me more information for sure. To be honest, I didn't know much about you until we started interacting on Twitter and, you know, I Googled you, of course, I saw that you did some prior shows last year. Um, what was the name of those shows? I cannot remember. I don't want to get it wrong. Was it the, this, the USFL, yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yep. So last year, um, there's a good uh, friend of mine named uh, Angelo uh, who ran an account called USFL Today, and I would do kind of a weekly show with him. We would do it together, and you know, stream it on YouTube and stuff. And then we actually were also broadcast on a Fox Sports radio station That's cool. in um, New Jersey. Uh, so he set that all up. He made that all happen. He he does a really great job. He was really covering the New Jersey Generals because that's where he's from, and um, but uh, he he kind of was kind enough to bring me into that. And so I did that weekly last year. And then, you know, I do guest appearances here, there on, on other shows or other people <clears throat> would ask me and stuff like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that was kind of um, the main thing I was doing, like on a regular basis last year. Understood. So coming in now, I mean, so last year you were media. Did you go to any games as, as media? Did you attend any? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Cool. So um, I uh, was in Birmingham uh, at all of their home games. I'm trying to think. The first season, there was like one or two games I missed because I had a prior engagement. But I think this past season, I was like made sure to clear my schedule. So I think I was at every game and I would go back and forth. So I had a media pass at the games. Um, but, you know, sometimes I also just like to be a fan. So um, some games I was on the field, you know, most or all the game kind of tweeting, covering the the you know goings on of the game other games you know sometimes i'd kind of split like 50 50 like go on the field for a quarter come up and hang out with some friends um and sit in the bleachers and cheer and stuff like that for for a quarter um you know sometimes i would not a lot but sometimes i go up in the uh, the press sort of booth you know and, and hang out up there and um but you know it's it's quiet in there like if something good happens you can't cheer so it's like i've got to totally take off the fan cap so i do that for yep. a little bit but um didn't always want to do that for the whole game. So, and then I actually was fortunate enough that I got to travel to a couple of away games. So actually by the end, you know, um, most people probably know this, but the USFL last year only played at four cities 
And actually, by the end of the year, I got to go to all four. So Memphis awesome. isn't a far drive from Birmingham. It's like three, three and a half hours. And actually, my wife's from there. So that was an easy one to kind of check off the list. Um, so I actually caught two games there. And then um, uh, I actually just so happened that when we played Michigan, um, I had some some time off from work and stuff like that and was able to find a, a relatively cheap flight up there. So I went up there for the weekend. I'd never been to Detroit. So I was just like, you know, um, I, it's a place I've always kind of wanted to go. This gives me a reason to go. Um, you know, what? why not? So, and, you know, it was an NFL stadium I'd never been to because uh, they played at Ford Field. I was able to get a media pass to be on down on the field and, and kind of cover that one on the field, which was really neat because obviously there wasn't as many, you know, Birmingham people there. There was a few that made the trip up, but not not as many. So, um, so that was great. And then I went to Canton for the championship. Um, and so I got to, to be on the field a little bit for that. And um, my, I'm from West Virginia, like I said, so not far from, from Canton, a couple hours. So my family came, came up to watch that game with me. So I was kind of, again, you know, back and forth between the, the, the bleachers and the, the field, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was been fortunate this past year to kind of, um, have the luxury of kind of getting the experience from all those different angles. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can attest that once you see it from that angle, it's very different than the fan angle, but for sure. It's it it like you said though it's kind of hard to take that hat off sometimes it, if you it, I've always been a raging football fan myself and this past year when I started doing things it was a change of pace for sure yeah uh, but I tell you what in Houston it got pretty lively in that box sometimes not gonna lie oh I I don't doubt that um I mean people in Texas love their football so you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. They um, do. So they they're not always very stoic about it. <laughs> no, sir, they're not. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good backstory, man. I got to know you a lot more. Uh, now, coming in last year, you were not part of uh, Pro Football Newsroom, correct? Uh, last year, I was. Yeah. Um, okay. Mostly, mostly what I did with them last year was um, kind of write articles for their website. Gotcha. Um, related to the stallions. So like I would do gotcha. recaps of games, previews of games, you know, player signing, stuff like that. Um, I didn't do a lot of like, I wasn't on their podcast or um, some of the other things they do uh, as much. I, they did have like, they have like a, a show we do each year to kick off the season. They call it spring stock. And um, you know, I was on that. So like a few things here and there, but mostly what I did was write articles and then I would, you know, tweet and stuff, um, you know, in my, in my i guess exceeding amounts of spare time that i have to tweet a lot i mean you're very active on twitter that's where i first saw you yeah yeah uh probably too too active um <laughs> that's what you said I, before we were recording <laughs> yeah yeah i um i've been on there you know i guess probably for about a year or so because i I didn't the first year when the USFL was around, I was just a fan. So I didn't I would like I, I like kind of would read people's tweets and stuff, but I didn't really tweet myself or anything. But um, then, you know, about a year ago or so, I started like tweeting regularly myself. And, uh, you know, when I look at like the number of tweets I've had since like the past 365 days, it's a little concerning. Um, but, yeah, you know. Hey, here I look forward to your stuff, man. I'm not going to lie. There's some people in here that just chase the clout. I know a lot of the stuff you put on Twitter is informative and tells you about a subject, you know, you're not trying to stir controversy. So that's why I respect you. And I'll, I'll have you on the show anytime just from seeing the work you do on that social media platform. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got a ton of respect for guys that try to to cover the league pretty broadly because what you know, really, my sort of niche is the is the Stallions, and you know, obviously, I learn a lot about other teams by covering them. But you know, at the end of the day, that's really uh, what I'm interested in and what I try to provide the most information um, possible that I can um, about them. And so, um, most of the things I, I put out there are things that I either you know learn um, about the team or you know, sort of analysis or news that I've. I've uncovered or been able to share all that kind of stuff. So, um, so try to make it, you know, if you're not a huge Stallions fan, um, well, I don't know, you might still like following me, I guess, to get Intel on your, your opposition or something like that. But, um, (laughs) but I try to, you know, make it so that if you are a Stallions fan or interested in the Stallions, that is kind of, uh, you know, if there's something important to know out there, I try to either share it if somebody else, you know, puts it out there or, um, or be the first one to kind of update people on what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> I see TJ Barnes commented. He said USFL biased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's um he's giving me a hard time because uh PFN ran a power ranking story today and the stands were number one, which I didn't write the article just to clarify, but I did agree with it. Um but uh but yeah, he was giving me a hard time uh, about uh about the bias on that one. So we'll see. We'll see what happens on the field. I you know TJ's from Alabama, so I was pushing hard to try and get him to come play for for Birmingham. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. DC was fortunate to get a good one, but um, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Had a question real quick, and then we'll move on. Uh, this is yeah. from Bra- Brahma Babe. She said, "How is the female fan base of the USFL? Do you feel there is a good representation?" Good question. Um, you know, I think with uh, I guess it's hard for me to speak probably for the USFL as a whole. I mean, I can try, but it's it's I can speak better for like the Birmingham. Just Stallions. from your observation, you know, it doesn't have to be anything concise or, or you know that you're, yeah, you're yeah. standing on. I would say I think the female fan base is. Um, I would say I think it's it's good. I think it could be better. I think that's one of the great things about the XFL because Danny Garcia is such a prominent face of the league. I think that obviously makes it a very sort of welcoming and hospitable like opportunity for women who either are interested in football or want to get more interested in football to, you know, be able to kind of have that point of connection with the league. The USFL obviously hasn't had something like that. Um, I know at least in the South, like especially in places like Birmingham or Memphis, um that you know hosted their actual teams in their cities um i thought there was a you know a pretty equal number of of male female fans that you would see at the games and lots of i know at least especially for birmingham i I can tell you i'm friends with several female fans that travel to away games that you know are posting about the team online that are very invested i mean i think in the in the south especially you know football is kind of a way of life so in the same way that i have lots of female friends who are you know, died, died in the wool, Crimson Tide fans and Arbor fans or whatever. They're also feel the same way about the Stallions and really cover the team closely and go to all the games and, um, you know, know who the coach is, know who the players are, like all, all that kind of stuff. So um, I know for us, like with PFN, Pro Football Newsroom, um, we have like one female correspondent who's up in Michigan and she kind of helps cover the team up there and, you know, as a season ticket holder goes to the games. Um, and, and so we've been able to – to get her we we started a new show with kind of the core group of us um kind of an around the horn type show where we all just um you know give our opinions on what's what's going on and she's on there so uh, it's been good to have a, a female perspective um with with her kind of joining us so so i mean all that to say like i i, I guess you know I, I certainly don't think the female fan base is um you know weak or non-existent um obviously 
you know, football, I think historically and even today tends to generally be a, a male kind of dominated endeavor, especially when you talk about people like doing what we're doing right now, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, if you go to a tailgate, if you go to a game, uh, if you look at people engaging in social media about the teams and all that kind of stuff, I think you would see a good number of, of women um, who are interested and invested in their teams and in the league. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's something that will continue to grow with this merger. Understood. <clears throat> yeah, good answer. Good answer. Just wanted to ask that quick question. Yeah, she's, that's a great question. She's really trying to re- lead the front on on getting some fan women fan support and i know they're out there so we just want to actually highlight that you know and, and ask. yeah absolutely uh so let's move on a little bit and you can be a hundred percent honest here okay i, I want to hear what you sure. think and what do you think about uh the the merger so far well just an opinion yeah so i think i would say my honest opinion is um probably like bittersweet um, I think, let me start with the positives and then I'll maybe go to some of the disappointing things. I mean, I think the, the positive things, right. It's, it's, I'm not going to have anything like super original to say, but I mean, I do think the positive thing is, um, the, the potential for longevity and sustainability. Right. I mean, I think we all kind of had these conversations before 2023 when the USFL and XFL both kicked off, uh, you know, kind of head to head for the first time. It was like, realistically, how long can both of these things last? Right. Like it's been so hard for one league to last. Like, how is it going to be possible for two to last? So I think we all kind of knew that there was probably an expiration date on that, like two competing leagues, whether one folded, whether they merged. You know, I think it happened sooner than I expected it to. But I think the good news with that is it gives them, I think, a better shot at being able to make it um, long term, right? Which is what I think we all want. You know, Birmingham, just to speak for the city, has had a string of, of teams from different leagues come and go, right? We had a team when the CFL expanded into America. We obviously had an XFL team in 2021. We had the original Stallions with the original USFL. We had the Birmingham Iron with the AAF. Um, they also had other things like the Birmingham Fire or with the World League of Football. There was the Birmingham Americans, like the Vulcan. Like there's like a, all these teams, right? Like Birmingham's kind of one of these cities that's always been in spring football. So, um, so I think the the pro and I think one of the things that was kind of sad about the USFL from year one to year two in Birmingham was that I think the fan base, like there was a really strong core fan base, but I don't think there was a lot of growth from year one to year two or at least not like massive growth right like that we maybe kind of hope there would be after like a second year and i think honestly part of that was just people were like oh wait that actually thing's like still around you know what i mean like i think people just assumed from the jump that it was like a one and probably going to be like a one and done thing like people didn't get invested because they didn't even anticipate it would be be back for a second year so i think kind of that setting up for long-term success obviously i think when you've got fox Redbird, The Rock, Danny Garcia, like all of these people coming behind this thing. It's like, if this doesn't work, I don't know if it ever can. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know. Um, you've got obviously eight markets that, that have had boots on the ground for the, at least one to two years. Um, you know, fan bases that have been, been built up for, you know, whether it was XFL 2020 and 2023 going into kind of a, almost a third year or, you know, USFL for the past two years, kind of going into a third year. So, um, you know, so I think obviously that's, that's exciting to me. Um, I think, and, and you know, everything that comes with that, right? So like having ESPN, ABC, Fox, like in some ways I thought, you know, I think we all kind of felt like for those of us who followed it, XFL 2020 was um, was really kind of had a lot of potential, right? To, you know, it was getting great ratings. They yes, had sir. this really nice, you know, on-ramp to, to sort of do things the right way. There was a lot of exciting innovations and rules. Like, you know, it, it really had so much potential. 
Um, and then obviously, you know, with COVID and everything, it didn't work out. But I feel like this new merge league, the UFL, is it's going to be similar to that in a lot of ways, just in terms of the quality of play in um, coaching, the fan support, the, you know, media representation from ABC plus Fox, you know, Disney plus Fox. So I think with all of that, that's a lot to be excited about with the merger. I mean, I think the only things that make it, the thing that makes it bittersweet, right? And again, this isn't anything anybody hasn't said, but I mean, I think, you know, just speaking for myself, I, I think if you had told me that this merger was going to happen this year and that we were going to come out on the other side with only eight teams, I think I would have been pretty surprised. Um, you know, Same. I think I would have thought they'll at least be 10, right? Or at least be 12. Um, so I think, you know, that that is a bummer. Um, obviously, again, getting back to the good thing I said about sustainability and longevity, like I understand why the league maybe made that decision. Um, but that being said, still, um, you know, it is it is kind of um, disappointing to to lose so many, uh, you know, markets, so many teams. Um, it's it's a little bit of an easier pill to swallow on the USFL side because, you know, with the hubs, like there were some teams that weren't even in their home markets yet. So, like, you know, it, it's still a bummer, but it's it's not – I don't think there's as many hard feelings. Um, but, you know, there are still uh, – I know lots of, of people that, you know, like, like I just talked about earlier, my friend Angelo who covered the Generals did a really great job doing that for the past two years, lives in New Jersey. Like he was waiting for the day he could go to a New Jersey Generals game in New Jersey and like that's not happening – at least not anytime oh, that soon. Sucks, so, man. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, that's a big bummer. And, uh, you know, I think um, obviously from the player standpoint, you know, just seeing um, all the guys that are, um, you know, now out of work, thinking about all the guys that are going to get cut um, from, you know, uh, rosters in the, the next couple months, once camp camp starts, like that's obviously also a hard pill to swallow coaches, staff. I mean, we could go on and on. So, yes, I mean, so all that to say, I think, you know, the merger is exciting. We're entering sort of a new era of spring football. I do think the merger also, one of the things that really excites me is I do think it gives a new level of, um, hopefully, a uh, new level of sort of credibility and legitimacy to non-spring football fans and followers. Because um, I think once they kind of know, like, hey, there's just one league and, you know, the Rock's behind it, ESPN's behind it, Fox is behind it. Oh, some of these USFL players I knew are in it. Oh, some of these XFL players. Like, I'm hoping that that will sort of help everybody, people that have kind of followed and supported leagues in the past, as well as maybe people who haven't, to really rally behind it. And I think, you know, all of that's really exciting. Um, it's just, again, it's it's kind of, um, you got to take the good and the bad with it in the sense that you're getting, you're gaining all that, but you're also giving up a lot of opportunities for a lot of fans, players, coaches, staff, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, the team that I like and follow and have invested a lot of my time and energy into is, is sticking around. Right. So, you know, personally for me, it's like, I don't have to, like, it could be a lot worse. Right. But I feel for those guys that, um, you know, either the team they covered is now folded or, um, you know, the the team that they played for is now folded or, you know, coached for. So um, so all that to say, I mean, I think in the long run, uh, it's going to be a good thing for for the prospect of spring football in America. It's just obviously you're going to have to go through some pain to uh, to kind of get there, um, which which is not fun. Growing pains is what I like to call them. It yeah. You're going to have to knock some things out and loosen some things up and just, just take the hits as they come. <clears throat> like you said, though, the biggest thing and, and the most important thing that a lot of people are remembering is like the loss of jobs, loss of players, loss of coaches, loss of teams. That, that's that's what 
the problem is right now. I wouldn't say the merger yeah. itself is having issues. We, you know, there's things that aren't, I would do things different personally, but I don't feel like things are going bad. So, uh, right. We'll see what happens. And, and I, I bet you are blessed that you still have your team. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, and I think the nice thing too, I mean, I didn't mention this, but I, I think you were kind of hitting at it. Like, I think both these leagues had strengths and weaknesses. Um, and obviously I'm more acquainted with the strengths and weaknesses of the USFL because that's kind of what I followed more closely. But, um, but I, I know just to speak for the USFL, right? Like I think there's things they did really well. And I think there's things that they could, could do better and that the, the XFL did better. And so one of the things I'm looking forward to is I'm really hoping that uh, when these two come together, um, you'll really, you know, Lord willing, you'll get kind of the best of both worlds, right? Hopefully not the worst of both worlds, but the best of both worlds. And that some of the things that the XFL was really strong at uh, will carry over into the new league and vice versa for the USFL. And I think in a lot of ways you have the potential for um, a superior product really on all fronts, you know, whether that be marketing the teams, the actual quality of play, you know, just the the stream of information, right? Like that was sometimes, a, I think, a frustrating thing for the USFL, maybe at times for the XFL, I'm not sure. But, you oh, know, yeah. sometimes it was like you just – you, you you know you were waiting on information right and um i'm hoping that with this merger once obviously there's a lot of moving parts right now but i think moving forward it's just going to hopefully get better and, and become more kind of um consistent and clear you know what's going on and and uh that i think that's all going to obviously help um the 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 fans and everybody who follows these leagues and all that kind of stuff agreed agreed i mean it we feel very similar in, in what you say i really don't have to i've said my opinion on here like a thousand times but I'll tell yeah. you what I'm excited about most of all is is that Fox production style. You know, I've sure. seen they've already started doing some articles on on yeah. the UFL. I almost said XFL, uh, the <laughs> UFL, and it it's I I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to really amp everything up. That it, it's just beautiful the way they do things on there. Sometimes I'm I'm a fan of Fox Sports. So uh, yeah, I mean I think you know um, to have. Fox and ABC slash ESPN together. I mean, that's kind of a dream team. You know, Fox yep. was kind of paired up with NBC for the USFL for the past two years. And that was that was great in a lot of ways. The downside was NBC didn't have obviously the same degree of investment or commitment to it that Fox did. So I never felt like you got quite the same level of sort of like cross promotion and things like that that you did from Fox. I mean, they did some things, but I felt like they always could have d done a little bit more. And obviously to not really have your league mentioned much on ESPN, um, you know, that that's where people generally go for sports. So that, that doesn't help either. Right. So I think to be able to sort of have Fox and ESPN both behind, uh, you know, what, what this new league is going to be. Um, I mean, again, kind of like going back to what I was saying earlier, like if this doesn't work, I don't know what will. Cause I mean, that's, that's going to maximize your viewership. That's going to maximize sort of the professionalism with the, with the production and the broadcast um, you know, people, obviously that's, that's where they're used to going for sports is either ABC slash ESPN or Fox, you know, Fox sports. So, um, so I think, you know, kind of like it was with XFL in 2020, I think it'll be uh, really fun to kind of see how that, how that comes together this season. Agreed. And I'm hopeful for it all. I, I just want success yeah. personally. Um, my, my Houston Roughnecks are going to look a little different in terms of the coaches and players, but it's pretty good that they didn't get cut either. And with that, it's important to note that both of these leagues or, or whoever's in charge is listening to the fans. They're, they're actually taking some of the fan opinions and using that to make their product better. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that aspect as well. Yeah, for sure. 
Now, guys, if you're asking questions, I'm just starring them, and I will ask it. We'll, we'll talk about the questions at the end, okay? Because we've already been on here 38 minutes, and I'm trying to make it under two hours tonight. <laughs> we'll see what <laughs> happens. But, yeah, if, if you do ask questions, guys, I'll, I'll highlight it, and then I'll ask towards the end. No problem. All right. So today, you know, we had the 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 super draft Monday. Yep. And honestly, I didn't get to review as much as I wanted. But the beauty of it is, is we had a lot of the results yesterday. We got to see who was where yep. and, and who picked up who in what place. And it, it they did a lot better with this super draft than they did with the dispersal draft, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As far as getting information out there, yeah, I, I was really thankful that we kind of got it the day of and didn't have to sit around for three days wondering who's going where. Yep, yep. It's it's good thing that they did that. And hope I'm hopeful that the same thing rolls into the season where, you know, we have information Sunday, Monday, plenty of material to pump out some content and actually provide some adequate data instead of just he said, she said. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Before we move on fully, I want to ask you. So being media with the USFL, I mean, did you have access to everything you needed in that did you i mean could you see data could you see pictures could you see everything that you would may need maybe need to see in that place yeah so i would say um they did a good job um with providing information especially at the games um they didn't always i think do a good job getting information out there like digitally like if you weren't physically present at the game so like for example something they changed they, they started doing better at it but at the beginning of the year you could never get a, a depth chart right like an official depth chart but if you went to a game and you were like a media person at a game Same. and you went up to the the press booth there was actually like nice printed depth charts there Same. Yep. and so it was like wait like it's really nice to have these here physically at the game covering the game but like why aren't these also being shared to like people online or like, uh, you know, or, or not even necessarily to fans, but like at least to people that are trying to cover these, these teams online, but maybe can't physically be there or trying to cover, you know, maybe you live in Birmingham, but you're trying to cover a game, you know, up in Michigan or something like that. So thankfully at the end of the season, like the last four or five weeks, they started, um, you know, putting those online each week. Um, and so I think they were kind of taking good steps to, to continue to do that. But at, at least as far as at the games, they were they were great about like they had printed depth charts. They had like a printed preview, you know, before you got to the game of like, here's kind of some things to watch for today. Here's like, you know, the team's records coming in and all this kind of stuff. And like maybe some quotes, you know, during the games, they would have somebody come around after each quarter and hand out like a stat sheet of like, you know, here's the stats from the game. So that was all like very professionally done and and, and great um, and and you know, there's a lot of access to to kind of information and stuff that you might need that way. Um, and, you know, they did a good job emailing us and letting us know when, you know, hey, here's this this local event. These players are going to be going to, um, you know, uh, this toy drive, you know, or, or whatever, like, you know, some community outreach thing. And if you want to stop by, there'll be time for media. So um, so I think all of that um, was done was done well. I think it's just. um you know, and I, I'm not like this isn't my full time gig, so I don't always know like what's, you know, normal. Right. It's like I, I don't like cover the NFL as my like normal job. So um, but I think sometimes it's like, you know, like I was just I think I was saying at the beginning, like if you didn't physically go to the games or have some of those connections, I could see where it would be kind of maybe difficult to access some of that information. Um, and I think, like I said, towards the end of the year, I think they were trying to kind of, quote unquote, democratize that a little bit more and get a little bit more of that information out there. Um, but um but I was always impressed by like on game day, 
the way things were handled. Um, I think with the USFL, I think some of the the pushback was always just, I think, in terms of the digital presence and the social media presence and some of those things, people wish there was a little bit more, um, you know, that was that was kind of put out there. Sometimes I felt like it was kind of maybe the the sort of bare minimum. But um, but um, but I will say the nice thing was, I think from year one to year two, there was improvement. Right. So I think good deal. they were listening to fans, listening to media people, making changes, getting it to try and be more and more and more professional. Um, and I think, you know, I assume that's only going to continue as we move into like, you know, this new sort of entity. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar in my experience with the XFL. Uh, I will say almost, almost exact from what you just described, which I'm sure that's the norm amongst media. Uh, I didn't really have any complaints on my end. It's just that, you know, there were a few times where you'd walk in and you get that depth chart and so-and-so would be injured and you're not sure why, because they just practiced yesterday. That, that, but nothing major ever occurred on my end to uh, to complain about, honestly. I, I had a good time at those games, and I was plugged in. But like you said, if you didn't really do this, and you didn't really mm-hmm. go do some legwork, hustle to get in there, you, you kind of got left out, which I, I guess yeah. that's how it works as well. Yeah, and I think one thing, if I could... You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, The Rock's not listening to this, but if he is, if I could put a plug in for something, um, you know, I think one of the things that I had a lot of people like DM me about on on X or Twitter or, you know, reach out to me about um, last year was like going back to what I said earlier was like depth charts because of fantasy. Right. Like they wanted to do yep. DraftKings or something like that. And they're like, you know, I don't follow this league super closely or I don't follow all eight teams super closely. So, like, you know is this person even going to play for the for the stallions today? You know, like, and, and people would ask me that. And, you know, sometimes I would know. And sometimes I, I'll, I'll be like, honestly, I'm not sure. Like, um, cause you know, sometimes week by week, like you just didn't really know maybe like a, the third wide receiver or something is just like, you know, well, it might be this guy, it might be that guy. Um, and so I do think one of the things I'd really like to see the league lean into moving forward is more um, like fantasy opportunities, whether that be having some kind of, you know, fantasy football league through ESPN or whatever it may be, or, at, at the bare minimum, having a better kind of stream of information for fans that want to do fantasy, whether again, you know, DraftKings or whatever it may be, because I do think for there is a segment of the football population or world out there, right, that maybe isn't like super keen on spring football, but they're not against it. But like what they like is like they really enjoy fantasy. They really enjoy betting. They really enjoy those aspects of the game. And it gives them an opportunity to do that in the spring on football, which they, they don't otherwise have. Um, and I think that'd be a way to really kind of get people sort of, you know, brought in who might otherwise sort of be on the fringes and get them to know who players are. Right. Like because, again, it's like it's the same thing with me. Like I follow the NFL, but, you know, I'm a Vikings fan. I don't know every single player on every single team. And, you know, sometimes the players that I know well, like if they're not, you know, play for the Vikings or, uh, you know, a team in the NFC North or something like that, it's it's like, oh, I know that guy well because I know he's a, a beast of fantasy. So, like, I know what's going on with him. Right. So I think. You know, that would be a really easy way, I think, for the league to um, make kind of what they're doing more accessible and attractive to uh, at least a segment of sort of the the American populace. Um, and again, part of that is just, you know, I know people that weren't interested or didn't want to do fantasy for it or whatever, because, again, they couldn't get information. And it was just like, well, I'm not going to bet if I don't even know who the running back for this team's going to be. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. So I do think that's something the. Again, the USFL, I think, did better with that as the year went on. But I, I think that's something that I'd really like to see them do uh, with this new merge league personally. Agreed. A hundred percent. At least make that data available. So even right. now, like I, I've tried to look up some of these players that we're going to talk about. 
mm-hmm. and it's hard to find that source of data. I mean, I don't want to use yeah. Wikipedia. I don't really trust right. that. So uh, there's a couple other sources that these people do this themselves and put the data in. But man, it'd be so cool just to Google that and, and see some stats for everybody throughout the whole year on each of these leagues. Yeah, absolutely. I played some daily um, fantasy last year with the USFL, uh, trying to get more involved so I could, you know, because I, I wanted to watch and I figured that would make me get more involved. But man, it just pissed me off, to be honest, because there'd be guys that I didn't know were playing or what, what, what the hell was going on most of the time. You know, I think I did that the first yeah. two or three games last year. Just nothing crazy, just a few daily fantasy bets. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that stuff is especially important at the beginning of the year because I don't know for the XFL if it was this way. My assumption that it it was considering I followed some of these other leagues, but like I think especially at the beginning of the year with these teams, um, a lot of them are kind of figuring out their roster still, right? Like camp's not super long. Yep. Um, you know, like it's it wasn't uncommon in the XFL or the SFL for you know week one to week two or week two to week three for there to be a quarterback change, right? Like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna give this guy a shot, right? Or or you know, hey, in week one this guy carried the ball twenty times, but in week two this guy you know had an injury in camp and he's really the guy we think, so we're gonna start him. This, you know what I mean? So I think especially at the beginning of the year you had you know a lot of changes in the rosters and in depth charts like a lot more so than you would in let's say like the NFL, like usually in the NFL with preseason with camp, it's like by the time week one starts, we know who the quarterback is going to be right. Like Aaron Rodgers left green Bay, but we knew Jordan love was going to be the quarterback like week one green Bay. Right. Like that's not, there's not really surprises there as much, but with these leagues, you, a lot of times you really don't know. I mean, maybe by the middle of the season to the end of the season, again, it starts to kind of maybe settle out and you kind of know who the guys are, but like, especially at the beginning of the year, it's very in flux. And yep. so if people are going to do, daily fantasy or or be part of like a fantasy league um that kind of like information the depth charts the rosters like stats is really you know crucial if you want to just like you said not just be frustrated and be like what's the point of even doing this like if i i'm just kind of just you know shooting in the wind so so i think um you know i I feel pretty confident that the league's going to do a better job with that um this year but i i would really like to see them make sure make that a priority um you know moving forward Understood. Now I'll tell you, man, that we've talked about a lot of things on the show that uh, somebody hears it at at some point. Now I won't say they watch the show. Sure. 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 I know we've, we've talked about a lot of subjects where a couple days later uh, we hear some developments and I don't know if it's, it's just happenstance or or an accident, but it's definitely happened a few times. uh, So if you are yeah. listening, that I believe that's important too. And even for the betting aspect, right. people are going to bet more if they're confident in what they're betting in. And you have some people that will always bet spreads or money lines or whatever. Sure. But most people that are really into it, they want to know what's going on. And that's what the NFL does best is, is it keeps you plugged in in the offseason and keeps you plugged mm-hmm. in in the end season. And you, know, you don't have much to guess on except game strategies and, and such. Right. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I always go back and forth on this, right? Because I think you don't necessarily want to just do everything on the league level for like the fan that you're trying to convince to mm-hmm. be a fault, like uh, interested in the league, right? Like yeah, you want to take care hold. of the fans that are really committed and like do care about the product. But I think you've got to always have that person in the back of your mind of like that person who maybe is like casually interested, is open to giving it a shot. And I think especially with this merger, with the new name, with the new image, with the new mixture of teams, like all that, like it's an opportunity to really bring new people in 
And so I think just little things like that, that maybe don't seem like always like a big deal, but could be an easy, quick, like turn off to someone or make somebody feel like, oh, this is kind of Bush League. Like, why would I, why would I care about this? Right. Like the odds are already kind of stacked against you. Right. Like a lot of people go into it skeptical and, and thinking like this is, is not going to be legit. And so as much as you can, I think, kind of present in a way that's very sort of professional um, and gives people the impression that like, oh, this is like a legit league. They got their stuff together. You know, I think that helps. And I think that's part of why the XFL in 2020 was really successful. You know, they had that two year on ramp, um, which was a long time to wait. But the nice thing was like they weren't just throwing stuff together last minute haphazardly. Nope. Like they they really yeah, had their ducks in a row. Yeah. 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 And I think that really, you know, helped people to to kind of immediately kind of have a little bit more excitement or faith or trust or whatever in, in the process because it was like, oh, there's like legitimate people backing this and running this. And um, there's a lot of thought clearly being being put into it on all in all aspects. So I'm hoping we sort of get that kind of Im- impression. I think we will, but I'm, I'm you know hopeful that we get that sort of impression with this, the, the UFL. Understood. Yeah, I feel I feel good now. I was a little worried about the media stuff. That's what I wanted to ask you yeah. personally. You know, I, 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 what to expect basically from that usfl side because i'm hoping to make some memphis games this year and in a few other uh-huh. places you know last year i was strictly in houston except for the championship so sure hoping to visit some other places in in the whole scheme of things but we'll see how it plays out yeah well let's get on this super draft man and yeah i'm what what i basically wanted to do today is is you pick your top five and I'll pick my top five, and we're going to discuss these guys a little more and, and just get a little bit more in-depth understanding of, of the value, why they were picked early, or just their stats alone, you know? Uh, yeah. So Yeah, for I, sure. I've, I've, I've got five that I've collected, and I know you did as well. So if you want to go ahead and kick it off, I'm going to sit in the background and try to pull up some stuff online, trying to try to give something to look at while you speak, but... Yeah, I'm curious to see where you come from because I know you're you're a lot more of a USFL guy, whereas I'm a lot more of an XFL guy. We're meeting in the middle, very good, but you know your athletes better than I know your sure. athletes, and and I know my athletes better than you know my athletes for the most part, I'm sure. Um, right. So curious to see where you stand in all this, and I look forward to hearing you five, man. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna go ahead. First one, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a stallions pickup. Um, I, I'm just gonna do one, so I'm just gonna get it out of the way, um, and then I, you know the other players I got with or with other teams. But um, you know, I, I got to give a shout out to my guy Ryan Langan. He's actually the stallions long snapper, so this will be his third year with the team, and he was actually awarded all USFL long snapper in 2023. In 2022, they had an all USFL team, but they didn't they didn't have a long snapper award. In 2023, they did. And so um, I was, uh, you know, we were all excited, you know, that that he was going to be back for a third year after winning the award. But um, the Stallions actually didn't protect him with their 42 players. So there was the the chance, the risk that somebody else might pick him up. Right. I know there's a few teams that needed a long snapper and obviously he's he's a good one. So um, I was a little worried that he was going to get nabbed by somebody else. But I think it was in like the fifth round or something like that. We were we were able to pick him back up. Um, and so, um, great player, you know, guy that's right kind here. of been a, yep, yep. Round five, yeah, so, 40. 
Yeah. So, you know, great player, great for the culture. Um, you know, we, he was all used for last year, as was our punter. They'll both be back in 2023. So, um, you know, and long snappers, they don't, they don't get enough love and attention. So I had to, I, you know, I had to give him a, a shout out. The Stadions brought back a lot of guys, but long snapper was the one position that we like really needed somewhat. Like we legitimately didn't have any other player that could, you know, do that. Whereas every other position is like the guys that we brought back that we weren't previously able to protect were, you know, more kind of depth guys or second string guys or that sort of thing. So, um, so that would be one. Um, a second one, um, I'm going to kind of cheat and sort of make two and one here, but a second one would be um, Boogie Roberts is uh, kind of one of those guys that's sort of been like the face of the USFL or a for face sure. of the USFL for the last two years. Um, he played for the Pittsburgh Maulers for two years. Last year, they were based in Canton, and he appeared on this uh, show called the Cleveland, I think it's called Cleveland Sports Show, like weekly. Um, he's been in Peloton commercials like um he's he's just a hilarious guy great personality um and he was picked up by dc it was later in the draft like i don't remember exactly which round it might have been like round nine or ten it was kind of like surprisingly um oh there it is round nine yeah pick 70 so i was honestly surprised that he you know it he was able to sort of be still be available at that point um, because he was a really fantastic player. Um, I, I saw a lot of improvement in him from 2022 to 2023. And he's one of those guys, it's not just about what he brings to the field, but it's also about what he brings to the locker room, the culture. Um, so I, I thought that was a great addition. And kind of, you know, along with that, you know, they also, uh, you know, we mentioned him earlier, but TJ Barnes, you know, they were able to grab him in the third yep. round. So to add TJ Barnes and Boogie Roberts to your defensive interior, um, I mean, that's that's a huge win, I think, for uh, for a team. Um, so I, I really liked what DC did, especially, uh, with those two picks. Um, and, uh, you know, those are two, just again, two great guys. So you gotta be happy about adding them. Uh, and they're ready to team. play too. You know, that you oh, can yeah. see them on social media. They're fired up for the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think TJ, he's definitely got a little fire lit under him, uh, after getting, you know, not protected by Arlington, despite being, you know, uh, at, at least according to, pro football focus like their number one graded player last year uh, and a big part of that defense that was you know really what helped them in a lot of ways get to the, the championship so i know he's he's ready to go um and and boogie too i mean uh you know he went to san antonio decided to sort of leave the quote-unquote usfl side and go to san antonio and then wasn't protected and you know all of a sudden it's like you didn't know if he was going to be playing in this league um and so i know he's he's got a little chip on his shoulder as well so um, so yeah, those two guys I think are going to be uh, a, a big part of the DC defense. Um, if I could, if you know, if I was going to speculate about how things are going to go, and I've got more pieces to add to that when I get to it as well. So we are definitely okay. in agreement there that that defense is going to be lights out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, another another one that I was going to mention. Um, and again, I'm going to kind of cheat and sort of roll two into one here, but ahead, um, Willie Henry, he actually ended up being the last pick of the draft. Um, you know, I don't know if that like quote unquote makes him Mr. Irrelevant or whatever, you know, whatever they call the, the last pick of the NFL draft, but um, he's actually a former Birmingham stallion and played at Michigan, uh, really fantastic defensive tackle, spent some time in the NFL with the Ravens, maybe, maybe another team or two. Um, but he's been with the team for the last two years, won two championships with the stallions I'm not exactly sure why, but for whatever reason, the Stallions chose not to protect him and sort of let him walk. Um, you know, I thought maybe they would pick him back up in this draft, but but they didn't, for, again, for whatever reason. And, um, you know, credit to the Showboats for coming in there 
uh, at the end, you know, when things were kind of wrapping up, most of the teams were done and getting that kind of final sort of piece of the puzzle. Um, they've got a, a, I think a really uh, Memphis, you know, for those that didn't follow USFL, Memphis, you know, had a, a decent team last year. They started off really poorly. Um, week two, they got beat by the Birmingham 42 to two. It was, it was embarrassing. And, um, you know, it was kind of like they were, everybody kind of thought they might be like the laughing stock of the league. And then they hit a stretch in the middle of the season where like they, they put a new quarterback in Cole Kelly, they kind of got some things figured out and they went on a five game. It was like a five game win streak and ended up finishing the season five and five um, and just missing out on the playoffs. But they, they had a lot of good pieces and a lot to sort of build on. And they added a lot of good players in the first kind of phase one USFL dispersal, you know, draft yeah, period. Sure. And then they added a lot more here. And I thought, you know, Willie Henry in a lot of ways, kind of the cherry on top for what they were able to do. And if I'm going to mention him, I also just, again, kind of two and one here. I also have to mention, Christian McFarland, I think he was their third round pick. He was also previously with the Stallions. He's with the Stallions for the past two years. Um, played safety, uh, played strong safety for us. Uh, was our starter for the last two years. Again, a kind of another situation where, for whatever reason, I'm you know I'm not in the in the the war room so to speak with Coach Skip Holtz and our general manager Zach Potter. You know I don't know what all kind of goes into some of these decisions, but for whatever reason they decided it was time to. Um, either move on from him or at least at the minimum they didn't protect him and before they could get him back the showboats kind of swooped in and stole him and so um he's uh, if you go back and look over the last two years for the Birmingham Stallions um he is the the leading tackler for the team since the USFL came back in 2022 so um gotcha. uh yeah so i mean a, a great player um you know not not huge safety but you know maybe a slightly undersized but but really plays really tough kind of hard-nosed guy he can cover in the 2022 USFL championship he had the game sort of ceiling interception so um you know so yeah again another guy's just kind of a little bit of a head scratcher surprised to see him walk but for whatever reason the Stallions have just decided that they're going to kind of you know sort of overhaul their their secondary that's that's been pretty clear from what they've done this offseason so but but those two guys that was another one that stuck out to me um Another one I'll mention that's actually not actually not sort of USFL connected, but um, the defenders, another pick of theirs, they took uh, CJ Johnson, who's a wide receiver from um, ECU. And I could be wrong about this. I, you know, I was kind of trying to do some research before this draft was coming up about, you know, the um, some of the XFL guys. But if I remember correctly, CJ Johnson was actually, I think, selected by the defenders in their rookie draft. And then they weren't able to protect him, but they picked him back up. Um, gotcha in in this this draft but you know he was a, a great player um i'm a little bit familiar with the american conference uh just because you know uab is now in the american and some other schools and teams that i follow are in the american conference and cj johnson played for ecu who's in the american and uh, he was a really great receiver um you know he was like all american first or second team uh his senior year i had over a thousand yards i think his freshman year he was like freshman all-american you know team uh for the conference um, and he's kind of one of those guys that's like, you know, kind of those group of five guys that um, doesn't have the name recognition of maybe some like, you know, big power five school like, you know, Alabama, Michigan, USC or something like that, but was really a, a key piece of the ECU offense. And, you know, I've seen some of those guys uh, go on and be really successful in these kinds of leagues. And so um, that was a, a kind of a rookie pick that they were able to retain that, um, you know, I liked because that was one of the things I was wondering was like, you know, what's going to happen with some of these rookie guys, right? Like, you know, I know the XFL, they had their rookie draft. The USFL, had, they had their rookie draft. Um, but when you're you're kind of trimming things down, it's like, 
who do you keep, right? Do you keep maybe a guy that's a little more veteran? Do you keep a guy that's maybe younger, but at least has a year or two of experience in these leagues or in the NFL? Or do you give a rookie a shot, you know? And so um, he was one of the names of just a few rookies that I was kind of keeping my eye on. Um, and so I was I was excited to see that, you know, he was one of those guys that sort of made it through. Um, and then the fifth, fifth guy I'll mention, um, this is actually a guy, he's like a crossover guy. So he was in the USFL in 2022. And then he went to the XFL in 2023. Oh, I think he I know who you're this, talking about. Uh, he, he didn't have the same level of success in the XFL as I thought he might um, that he did in the USFL. But Will Likely, who was a cornerback uh, for the San Antonio Brahmas in, in uh, or sorry, excuse me. Um, or yeah, maybe. No, he was with the Houston Roughnecks, I think. Yeah, Houston there you Roughnecks go. In, yeah, in 2023. And then he was with the... Um, uh, Houston Gamblers in the USFL in 2022. And in 2022, he was an all-USFL player, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, um, and he didn't get protected. And the Showboats, actually, again, the sh to mention the Showboats, they picked him up, uh, I think, in round seven, looks like it was. Um, and so that was another one. Uh, you know, again, some of the positions I'm mentioning, I'm more a little bit more familiar with the guys because I like cornerback was a position that the Stallions, you know, kind of needed to to bolster. And so I kind of looked over before the draft who are maybe some guys they might go for. And he was a guy that was really on my radar because I knew what he was able to do in the USFL in 2022. And I think he did decent in the XFL in 2023, but didn't have quite the same year. And I think fell through the cracks a little bit. Like I said, didn't get protected with the coaching shifts and everything with the Roughnecks and San Antonio and the, the gamblers becoming the Roughnecks and all that. Uh, but he's a guy that can play. There's no Agreed. doubt he can play. And um, so I, I thought that was another, again, kind of one of those guys, kind of like Boogie Roberts, right? That like sort of went on the, under the radar a little bit, kind of fell in the draft, um, you know, was on the cusp of maybe not landing on a team after one of these drafts. But, uh, you know, a team kind of swooped in there at the end and picked him up. Um, and so there's lots of other, you know, I think good, good picks and, um, guys worth mentioning, but those were a handful of guys kind of all over the place, different rounds that, you know, I had my eye on and kind of stuck out to me and I thought were, were good picks when they were made. Hey, those are great picks. And to be honest with you, most of mine are coming from the first round, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's hard to not follow the guys that, you know, that I know, cause it was mostly roughnecks, you know, and looking right, through right. I, when I started it, it was like two or three roughnecks. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. I got to shift this down a little bit. So I get it. Um, and I appreciate your takes because, you you know, you really know what's going on on that end of things in terms of your stallions and such. Is there anybody else that you want to discuss? I mean, just while you got there. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder. I know you said yes to no, the first-round picks. But, I mean, I definitely thought there were some good first-round picks, too. I mean, I'll let you expand maybe more on some of these because I'm guessing these are some of the ones you want to mention. But, I mean, I thought I thought Dormandy's a great pick yep. from what I saw of him in the XFL. Yep. I like the McClendon pick a lot, not only because Same. I think he's a good player, but I think the fit with the system in D.C. Um, I think is really exactly. smart. Um, 100%. Yeah, Nate Brooks, he played cornerback for the Stallions. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's my uh, second. So, my first yeah. was Jalen. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's hit Jalen yeah. real quick. I think you're gonna yeah, yeah, you're go. gonna pick him out as well. So yeah, Jalen was my first in terms of of what I like to see. I know DC was really wondering what was happening with quarterback, which that's kind of common with a few of our teams right now. Nobody really knows. Uh, but with that being said, I think he can run this offense if it's geared somewhat like it was last year. Uh, he, I wouldn't say he's like a Derek King, but he, he's very close, and and I think he mm -hmm. can really really do something with productive coaching, and that that's my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, so he was a former L.A. Wildcat back in 2020. I didn't know that until I started researching. 
Um, he started four games last year yep. for the Vipers. He had 112 attempts with 67 completions with a total of 873 yards with five touchdowns and one interception. So it was a little rough there in Vegas. I don't know if you watched it too much last year, but you know they were definitely trying to find their yeah. identity first off. And then once Perez left, things really changed for that team. Uh, yeah. But I think his place in D.C. is is fantastic. And from my opinion in looking at this, this should be their guy unless, unless Te'amu comes back. Who knows? Yeah, that's, I think, the thing that everybody wants to know, right, is what are his plans. And obviously, if he comes back, you know, he's, he's you got to assume, going to be the one that they, you know, kind of roll with unless something changes. But I think if he doesn't, obviously, I think this is a great sort of plan A or plan B, you know, however you want to look at it, um, because of what he's kind of, you know, the flashes that he showed last year. Um, I, I caught a few Vegas games, and, and like you said, they were a little, little rough to watch. But he definitely was sort of like a, a silver lining for them, I thought. And so I knew he was going to land somewhere. And I think for him, he's got to be happy because I think this is kind of like the best case scenario for him. Um, if he could, you know, pick a team where he was going to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agree, he was agree. honestly a guy like I kind of wanted the Stallions to grab. Like we've got a quarterback, Jamar Smith, who who was our quarterback in 2022, was injured in 2023. But, you know, even with him, I was just like, just to have another guy in the room, I think he would have fit well in what the Stains do. So he was a guy I had my eye on. But um, I, I think he'll be – I think he'll do really well in D.C. Yeah, yeah. I see that being a good relationship for him there. Now, my second was Nate Brooks. You know, another first-round pick. He went yep. fifth. Uh, he's now a Michigan Panther. He was a former Birmingham Stallion, so I know you know all about him. Um Yep. He started 10 games last year, 29 solo tackles. He ended up signing with the 49ers, but then dropping back down and then coming back to hang out in spring football land. So anything you want to yeah, add on him, please do. Well, no, I mean, I love Nate. Nate's a great player. Um, again, it's kind of another like head scratcher of like, I'm not exactly sure why the Stallions let him walk or if the, if the hope was like, well, we can't, we don't, we're not able to protect. Obviously, you can only protect 42 guys. And the Stallions had really done, uh, had been very aggressive in the offseason with free agency, kind of like adding guys. So I know that you had to make some tough decisions, right? Like, do we bring back guys that we, you know, um, know by our known entities, right? We know what they can do, or do we maybe take a risk on some guys that we added in free agency that we think have a lot of potential, but we don't necessarily know how it's going to pan out. Like that with the cornerback spot was kind of one of those spots for the, for the stallion. So I was really shocked. Like I would have never guessed that they weren't going to protect Nate, um, but they didn't, you know, maybe they would have liked to try and grab him, but they didn't even get the opportunity because he was a top five pick. Um, but yeah, he was a huge piece for us last year. Um, in 2022, our starting quarterbacks were Brian Allen, who was back in 2023. And then a guy named Tay Hayes, who ended up going to the NFL and was kind of, has been on practice squads and things kind of since that 2022 season. And so Brooks kind of stepped in and took Hayes' spot. And, um, you know, I thought was one of, if, I, if not our best kind of secondary players last year, he had a couple key interceptions, like we played the stars. He had a, a game ceiling interception against them. We played the showboats. He had, wasn't a game ceiling interception, but it was kind of like a very tide turning sort of interception. Yeah. Um, and he's a great tackler. He's physical. Um, yeah. He's just a great player. Michigan got a really good one with him. Um, he's one of those ones that I'm, I'm really bummed to see go, but um, I'm glad he's getting another opportunity at least. And uh, I think they'll be very pleased to have him on the, on the team. Agreed. Agreed. So moving on, next up I have Jared Thomas. So he was picked second mm -hmm. uh, by Memphis, and you can see why with the quarterback they have, Case Cookus. Yeah. It, 
this was a, a solid move by them. And I researched him some. Um, he was uh, 2022 all-offensive team for the New Orleans Breakers with USFL. Uh, it said he was picked up in a supplemental draft by the Seattle Sea Dragons back in for the XFL, you know, in 2023. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't find any actual game stats or video, so I wasn't sure if he actually played there or not. I was a little confusing on that note. Uh, but he's 6'4", 310, 27 years old. He's a big man, and he, he's going to be blocking for, for these showboats. Yeah. So that that's a solid pick, and I feel like that's really putting them forward in, in sol- making this offense solid in, in, in the future for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're you're spot on with the Case Cookus thing because when he was playing for Philadelphia, the dude was just running for his life yep, all the time. All the time. And, uh, you know, Memphis's head coach now is John DeFilippo, who's coming over from New Orleans with, you know, a team that got folded. Um, and so, you know, he's got a familiarity with some of these guys that are coming from the breakers or have been in the breaker system, and they'll be kind of easy guys to be able to kind of plug into this, this new team and what he wants to do with them. So, um, I think, it, you know, it's, a I think, a, a good pick for them with what they're trying to do to sort of kind of bring together the old and the new. But, you know, obviously, I think um, if you follow these leagues, one of the things you know is you can never have enough good offensive linemen. I mean, that's kind of true at, at any, t- at, you know, any sort of um, level, right? But. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely true in these spring leagues, right? Like the more the more offensive linemen, good offensive linemen you got, the merrier. So you can never yep. never go wrong there. Yep, seasoned all the way around, so they can move these guys around. If someone gets hurt, you have leaders on the field. We saw, I, at least I saw personally, what the XFL had whenever the linemen were not playing up to par. You could really, yeah. really see it, and you can see it in a lot of player stats that were on these these teams with worse offensive lines. Uh, so that. That to me, I I really like that pick, and I'm not a Memphis Showboats fan, but I think I'm almost damn <laughs> like I'm, I'm this yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, I get that. They've they've really done a great job this off season loading up their roster for sure, and um and they've got a great fan base. Like they actually weren't in the USFL in 2022. You know, it was the Tampa Bay Bandits, and then so they've only been around for one year. But people at Memphis is kind of like Birmingham, right? Like they they have always had like yep. a team in these leagues. And um, and people in Memphis really love Memphis and really support Memphis things. And like the local media is really behind the team and they don't have the same like fan base and city size that like St. Louis does. But I think as far as like the appreciation for the team at the city level and like the the backing of the local media and like investment from the city, um, they've, they've got kind of something special going on there. Um, so I, I like uh, I like what they're doing. Um, like I said, my wife's from Memphis, so I'm, I guess I'm a little bit partial. I'm not totally partial because they're, they're kind of a, a sort of kind of a, a rival for the stallions, but, um, but I, I think it's great that they're in the league and I think they're, they're really doing some good things there. Yes, sir. I'll tell you, that's what, you know, you started with the Birmingham iron, you know, with AAF, mm-hmm. the, the Ex- express, the Memphis express is really what got me into all yeah. this from the start, uh, Liberty bowl. Stadium is a great place, and I've got some really fantastic memories from those games, man. Uh, Johnny Manziel coming out and getting knocked out. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. But one thing's for sure, the fans there loved that team back then. So I know when they start having success, you should see a big outpour of fans, especially because the weather's going to be nice there. It's not going to be cold anymore. Right, February, March, it's still kind of chilly over in Memphis, but – once April hits, you should be good going forward. 
Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Next up, I have the first round, first pick, Quentin Dormady. Mm-hmm. The the Brahmas, I feel like, could definitely use him, but I think the question is still in the air of who's going to be quarterback there. Uh, we saw a lot of splashes of, of great play from him, and he wasn't very consistent, but was that due to coaching? Was that due to offensive line? Was that just, just – who knows? Uh, but he he had not he didn't have a bad year, and you could definitely see how he connected with Cody Latimer uh, going forward, like later in the year. Um, he he played seven games. He started four. He had 205 attempts and 140 completions. So 140 pass completions out of those 205. He ended with a total of 1,507 passing yards. 10 touchdowns and five interceptions. He was sacked 20 times last season. His highlight, I say, and what really got him on my radar is when he beat, when they beat the DC defenders. Uh, they knocked yeah. him off that undefeated streak, uh, closed out the game with some nice defense. And then that team really became solid right there. And I, I grew to respect them a lot more. Uh, but the question here is, is, is was that, bad coaching was that bad play or was it just just something else that we don't weren't familiar with i my brahmas fans i'm sure they got some comments for this and i'm curious what they think of who's going to be better but the the biggest thing there in brahma land is get that offensive line right so that yeah we don't see the same thing as last year because last year it was it was bad it was nasty up front there was a lot of things going on that no quarterback can be successful in no doubt so hopefully whoever is going to hold hold the reins to this team really can steer them to where they need to be. Yeah, I thought it was a great pick. Dormandy was one of those guys I was kind of shocked he was even in this draft. Like I thought somebody would pick him up at that sort of dispersal draft stage um, just because, you know, we saw uh, – we you know, obviously – Orlando wasn't the most consistent team last year, but we definitely got glimpses of what he was capable of. And there was clearly a difference when he came yep. in and sort of the, the life and the energy he brought to the, the team and the offense. So I was, I was pretty shocked that he, he made it through to this point, but I wasn't, so I wasn't shocked when he, he went as the first pick, excuse me. And I think, you know, um, San Antonio, I think was one of those teams kind of going into this draft that there were some question marks at the quarterback spot, you know, was Jack Cohn really the answer or not, you know, um, Obviously, I think he's got potential, but they struggled at, at times last year. And like you said, you know, was that entirely his fault? Did he have, you know, the time and the, the system to really be able to maximize his potential? Hard to say. But I think at a minimum, I, if I was a San Antonio fan, I'd be nervous to have gone into the season with without having added another quarterback. And I think if you're going to add another quarterback, Dormandy, obviously his, his name had to be up there for the guys that you might want in the room. Um you know, he I mean, I think in some ways in terms of his style of play and things like that, he does remind me in somewhat of Brandon Silvers, you know, who was with Wade Phillips last year uh, with the Roughnecks. And obviously they chose not to bring Silvers down to San Antonio. That, but I that think surprised Dorman, me, honestly. Yeah. You know, that was kind of what I thought was maybe going to happen was they're just going to pick Silvers back up, bring him back down to San Antonio. But I think, you know, Dormandy is kind of a similar type player. And I think he could have success in sort of the the air raid system that they run. Um you know, in, in, in a similar way that we saw Brian Silvers had success last year. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. Dormandy's another one of those guys. It's like, you know, I would have been happy for him to be on my team just because, again, um, in a non-ideal situation, you saw what he was capable of last year. Um, so I, I, I think 
if I had to guess, I think he'll be the day one starter for them going into the season. Could be wrong about that. Um, you, you, you never really, I guess, know. But um, but I think he obviously he's got a high ceiling, a lot of potential. Uh, I agree, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure a hundred percent. But did AJ Smith return to with Wade to that Brahma? I offense? think so. Yeah, that's my understanding. So yeah, we you should see some things from from Dormady this year. I mean, yeah, that, for sure. That that seeing it that I mean, if not, they're going to find somebody that can. I know that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, my last pick, Drayvon asked. Ask, uh, can you say this correctly? Because I always screw yeah, yeah. Up. Ask you, yeah. Henry. Ask you, Henry. All right. Yep. Javon, ask you, Henry. He is now a St. Louis Battlehawk. He was a New Jersey general. And prior to that, he was a New York guardian. Didn't know that till I looked it up yep. also. Uh, he played 10 games last year. He started two, total of 25 solo tackles. Uh, looking into this guy, he had a lot of stints with some NFL teams between 19 and 20, uh, 2019, 2020. And, uh, ended up back in the league, you know, the spring leagues. Uh, but another interesting fact I found about him was uh, cousin by marriage is Daryl Revis and they train together. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. know that either. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense and where, how he's kind of roved around the different teams and gotten those spots. Um, do you know more about him? Well, I do actually, because before he played for the guardians, uh, there might have been something in between there, but at least in college, he actually played for West Virginia, which is originally where I'm from. And so I actually like this pick because Anthony Becht, you know, St. Louis coach, actually played at West Virginia too. So um, I don't know if Becht was familiar with his game because of that um, or if that is just kind of a coincidence. But that was one of the things that I really liked. Um, you know, they're sort of two Mountaineers. You know, they both they both played for West Virginia and um, – you know, I don't know if it's true, but I at least like to think that that was part of like what brought them together. But um, Drayvon Askew Henry, when he was at West Virginia, was a great player for them, um, was a really good defensive player um, in college. And then, you know, he's kind of bounced around some of these leagues and um, was was a good player for the the New Jersey Generals. They had they had some really good um, secondary players over the last two years. Um, they had uh, another safety named Paris Ford, who was kind of one of those guys that didn't get picked up that I'm kind of shocked didn't just because I know he's a great player and I've heard a lot of other players in the SL talk about how good of a player he is. Um, and then they also had DJ Daniel, who uh, was all USFL this past year um, and, and a few other guys I'm forgetting. So um, the generals were kind of known, I think for having a, a pretty stout secondary um, and, and Askew Henry was part of that uh, for sure. And so um, I think he'll, he'll be a good, good fit in, in St. Louis and definitely probably, you know, compete, to to see a good bit of playing time there yes sir yes sir so those are my five and I, I really tried not to pick from the first round list but i feel like every one of these guys here are going to have a lot of impact on their teams uh, i mm -hmm. honestly do it may, they may not start but you're going to see them you're going to hear them and and we're going to have some experience with them yeah no absolutely um no i think i think that's totally right i mean I, obviously some of these guys that went in the first round, like there's a reason they went in the first round, right? Like, you know, they they were guys that were early off the board because they're guys that started last year for other teams, guys that are well-known, guys that were successful in either league. Um, and so, you know, I think I think what'll be interesting, and this, you know, to bring to come back to a guy that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I think what'll be interesting is to see how some of these guys fit 
in with their new teams, right? Because, again, you can have a guy who maybe was a stud in 2022 or 2023 in one team in one system, but that doesn't always translate, right? Like Will Likely, who, again, who I brought up earlier, it's not that he was a bad player or anything like that uh, last year for the Roughnecks, but, like, you know, he just didn't have quite the same success that he did with the Gamblers. And, you know, I didn't follow the XFL and follow the Roughnecks closely enough to, to be able to, you know, diagnose why that was compared to the year he had with the Gamblers in 2022. Because you all had other guys like Donald Payne, who was an all-USFL linebacker in 2022 for the Gamblers, same team, who then went to the Renegades and had that same level of success, right? It was like yep. a key piece of their really good defense. It was like a leading tackler in both leagues both years, and he'll probably be a leading tackler again this year in the UFL. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, I think it'll be interesting to see with some of these guys, like, like just to take, you know, like, like a Dorman Deer McClellan, right? Like they weren't in great situations last year, not very ideal situations. They're in a new place, new team, new offensive coordinator this year. Um, do we see them really kind of flourish and thrive and become even, you know, take their game to even a different level? Or do they end up getting beat out by somebody else? Do they struggle? You know, it's just like it's, it's sometimes hard to say. So I think, again, some of these guys, these first-round guys, like it's no shock that they, they were some of the earliest guys off the board. Um, but it'll be interesting to see when you've got you've got this consolidation that's happening and there's a limited number of spots on a depth chart who sort of, you know, rises to the top and is able to really kind of solidify, um, you know, their place in this new, even, you know, doubly competitive league. Um, it's just it'll be it'll be hard. You know, we can make predictions, but there's going to be some surprises for sure. Yep. You're going to have guys that probably never heard of come through and just shine because that, that's the way spring football works sometimes. You know, you have your studs. Yep. But you have a lot of the, the lower level guys that they're hungry and they they got some fire and they're ready to show out. And I feel like that happens and in, in very commonly. Uh, yeah. Rick 8-Bit yeah, definitely. said, look at Luis Perez, started for Vegas and yep. won a championship with Arlington. And that's 100% correct. I'm confident he could probably go anywhere with the right coaching staff yep. and be successful. 100%. Yeah, I agree. I mean, after watching him with the Birmingham Iron and then with the New, Jer New Jersey Generals in 2022, and they had the best regular season. I mean, well, them and the Stallions were tied for the best regular season record, and um, unfortunately they lost in the playoffs. But, I mean, he was super successful that year there. You know, if the if the AAF had lasted, like, his team would have been in the playoffs. Like, yep. the, the Iron would have been in the playoffs. Now, obviously, who knows if they would have won it all or whatever. But um, And then, obviously, he went to Arlington, and we saw what happened in Arlington. So, like, he's a guy who – He's basically been in the postseason or the championship every season that he's been in one of these leagues. And um, I think that obviously is in part because of his play, but I think it's also in part because of, you know, just his leadership, his maturity, um, the the way he makes everybody else around him better, protects the football, that kind of stuff. Um, but like you said, when he was in Vegas, like if he'd stayed in Vegas, they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs, right? And that wouldn't really totally been his fault. Um, but that's just not really a system in a team in a situation where he was probably going to thrive. Um, and Arlington wasn't necessarily like a walk in the park, right? It's not like nope. they were like, you know, seven and oh, and then they added him and went on to win the championship, right? Like, I mean, it, it still wasn't a super ideal situation. There were some things they had to work out there, but uh, once they got, once they worked him out, obviously we saw what happened. So, um, so I do think there's, you know, there's, there's talent, right? But then there's also team dynamics and culture and, and kind of scheme and fit and coaching. And, and, you know, it's, it, it, you can't just look at a roster or look at an individual player and, and just think about the talent. And, you know, that's, that's all, you know, that's not, that's yeah. not all it takes. I mean, there's, Agreed. there's a lot more to it than, than just that for sure. 
Yeah, Mike said, uh, do you think any of these guys put it out that they had a preferred team? And that's another factor that we don't know. What kind of communication has been yeah. going on behind the back burner? How many of these free agents right now already have a spot? And we just don't know it because they're not official. Right. And that, right. That's You can see that that's got to be happening with a couple of these teams just from the picks and how they're missing crucial spots. Yeah. You know, and they didn't pick up in these picks. There's a lot of guys left right now that did not get picked up. I could name five or six different names easily and that, that are skilled. Like you just said, Brandon Silvers, uh, Jeff Bidette. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we can go off and on, you know. I think I had a tweet up here, too, from somebody. But Yeah, it, I know, like, Terrence Plummer was one of the bright spots for the Guardians last year. Didn't get picked up. Um, you know, I'm trying to – there's the USFL guys like I mentioned, too, but even, like, XFL guys, like, um, yeah, you know – there's a lot of names that you recognize on that list. Like Reggie Corbin was probably the most electric running back in the USFL for the last two years. And I have no idea why he's not on a team. Like, I don't know if he got blackballed, like if he made somebody mad, like if he told them, like, I don't want to play in this league anymore. Like, like I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that hundred percent. And there's other names on here. It's the same way. I mean, where, where is Saul right now? Does anybody know where he's at? Is he, he was, yeah, he's he was one of those guys. Step. I think that he's a free agent, you know, so he has kind of the ability to sort of think, pick and choose where he wants to go. So my guess is that he's probably been in conversations with a team or teams that he's interested in going and playing for, and he'll get to kind of pick where he goes. But as of now, I mean, we don't know, like he, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't landed anywhere yet. Um, so it's, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed a hundred percent on that. I think we'll know more come next week for sure. I'm hoping the schedule drops this week at some point. I know that was a, a rumor going around, but it'd yeah, be I really saw nice to get it. Yeah, I don't know if you um, if you saw, but I know um, at Pro Football Newsroom, we put out an article, I think today, it was today or yesterday, but somebody uh, found that uh, for, I can't remember if it was like for like a tailgating pass or like a parking pass or something, but they yeah. put it out there for the Battle Hawks. So I think... That gives me like, I, you know, there's kind of it's kind of one of those when there's smoke, there's fire, right? Like there's been some rumors that we might get a schedule this week. Um, at least it seems like St. Louis kind of knows which dates they're going to be playing in St. Louis. So I would be shocked if we don't hear something this week, if not, if not this week, next week at the latest, um, just because obviously they want to they want to sell tickets and you're going to have an easier time selling tickets when people know, you know, how they can plan for, you know, the um the upcoming spring games and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think we'll hopefully hear something soon on that front. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's roll into some questions and I'll let you hop off after man. I appreciate you sitting on here for yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been a good conversation. Very productive. For sure. All right. Da, da, da. All right. Here's one from DeMarcus. This is when we first started. Is the St stallions fandom holding consistent or do you think there may have been a bit of novelty following? Um, I would say I think it is holding consistent. Um, I do think year one, there were some changes from year one to year two. Um, there was like a little bit of sticker shock. So like year one, um, they were just like, everything was based in Birmingham. They were really just trying to do anything to drum up interest. So like tickets were like $10 a piece. Um, kids got in free, like under 12 or something like that. Um, you know, it was just kind of like, there was really no excuse not to go. And it was new, you know, there was like all those kinds of factors. Um, and for whatever reason, the first year, 2022, we had more games either at night or um, like at a time that was just a little bit more conducive. 2023, the scheduling was a little tougher for us. Like most of our games were on like a Saturday afternoon, which like a Saturday afternoon in Birmingham, um, you know, 
it was there was a couple games where like it was pretty brutal just in terms of the heat and the sun beating down on you um and there was like one or two games too where there was like you know the talladega 500 was going on or something like that you know where we had some other things that we had to kind of compete with um but there were some changes like you had to pay for kids in year two that were like you know not under the not under the age of like you know four or three or something like that so that made it a little bit harder i think on like families that maybe wanted to, to come um you know there was uh, i think in general maybe ticket prices went up a little bit in year two um i think like i said earlier there was kind of that skepticism that like people like didn't necessarily know or expect it to be back in year two i do think the league also could have just done a better job like marketing and promoting the team year round because it was like everything happened in 2022 and then you didn't hear anything about the stallions and then like a month before the kickoff, it was like, oh, hey, we're back. Here's some billboards ac- around town. But like it was kind of too late at that point. I think there was probably too many casual fans or whatever who like maybe were on the fence about, you know, is this thing really coming back or whatever. So all that to say, I mean, I think like the attendance, the support, like pretty much I would say like kind of stayed steady, steady. I think there was disappointment from the league that it didn't really grow from year one to year two, because I think there was a hope that like, oh, if the Stallions won the championship, they're coming back for a second season. Like based on all those factors, we'll see like a big jump. And there wasn't really a big jump for, again, for whatever reason, maybe several of the things I mentioned and maybe some things I I, I haven't, but, um, but I think the, I think there's a, what I would say about Birmingham is I think there's a really solid like core of Stallions fans. Like there's probably 10 to 15,000 people that will show up every home game, like no questions asked. Right. And I think the challenge right now is just sort of like building on that core. Like, I don't think you're going to see that shrink. I don't think you're going to see them go away. Like I think people are there. There's a good group of people in Birmingham that are like bought in on the stallions. It's just kind of getting those more like in the same way, when you talk about kind of the league as a whole, right. Like kind of getting those people that are maybe on the fence or they're more interested in college football or, you know, they, they, have a lake house or whatever they want to go to in the <laughs> in the in the spring on the weekend or whatever like trying to get some more of those fans kind of bought in and um and i think the everything that's happening and the way that the league is you know trying to do more to um market the teams and promote ticket sales and just do all those kinds of things i think are, are going to help um for sure um but you know we'll see i think yeah, year two was a disappointment, not so much because there was a drop-off, but because there just wasn't as much growth, I think, as we all kind of maybe hoped there would be. But, you know, I'm, I am I think I'm cautiously optimistic with the Stallions being kind of two-time champs now with the, you know, merger happening with some of the familiar faces coming back and um, new player signings and things like that, that you'll just continue to see um, kind of some steady growth in, in Birmingham and obviously hopefully other cities as well. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, because you know, next year it's it's gonna matter. So I hope those fans yeah. this year, I'm saying next year, it feels like next year. Um that those fans really need to show up. And For sure. We don't want either we I, personally I don't want any team to look bad. And we right. know from sitting here right now that you're not gonna mess with the St. Louis numbers. Their fans are gonna right. probably be the biggest, the loudest, and and just the most the, the biggest fans of their team. Um, so hopefully they do show up and show out a little bit. And like I, like I was telling you earlier, I hope I do get to attend a game over that way this year. I have not yet. So I really, really, am going to try. It's only a few hours for me, like two or three. So definitely going to shoot that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm hopeful that like some of the new bantering and rivalry will also like help I think with it will. just 
the growth of the league? Because I know like on the USFL side, I think the Stallions fans, at least the ones that are really like committed, do feel sort of like this um, uh, obligation, maybe isn't the right word, but kind of this responsibility for like being the biggest, most vocal, kind of most like, you know, crazy fan base on the USFL side. Because uh, Memphis, I mean, as far as like numbers, like Memphis, honestly, might have had the most people at their games gotcha. last year. But obviously, they've only been around one year and their team hasn't had the same level of success that Birmingham has. So um, they've got like a, a good kind of like group uh, kind of growing there, but I wouldn't say it's probably it's not as organized and as and as you know um, as passionate maybe as some of the fans in, in Birmingham since we've had kind of two years and uh, you know two championships and all that kind of stuff. So I think people in Birmingham do kind of feel this like um, you know desire to demonstrate to the USFL that we're like still top dogs, right, and still like the biggest, loudest, best fan base. And I think now there's going to be like a growing. Uh, rivalry and probably especially with St. Louis, but then, you know, with, with the rest of the XFL teams to show that like, yeah, you know, um, we know that the USFL had hubs and like all that kind of stuff, but you know, you can't, you can't sort of dog on Birmingham, like at, at a minimum, like Birmingham has a fan base that in terms of, you know, attendance and passion and, you know, traveling to road games and all this kind of stuff that, that we have something going that rivals to it, to some extent, you know, what some of these other teams in the XFL have been able to, to do which has been awesome to see so so i'm hopeful that 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 little bit of that kind of competition um the league kind of leans into that and hopefully that kind of encourages you know teams to really kind of show out and support their 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 city and, and the teams that they you know uh play there Rama i do made. think i know i, I saw you as yeah, yeah sounds like st yeah. louis and, and san antonio i mean i think there are some similarities because I've, I've seen videos you know of like the people dressing up at the uh at the sta- at the excuse me at the st louis games and at the brahmas games and i think you've got something similar like we have a group of people at the at the stallions games they call themselves the horsemen and it's kind of a supporter section and they're you know they're on their feet the whole game going crazy they've got like the fake like horse heads on gotcha. That's and, cool. um, you know like going going nuts and stuff like that and they'll travel to away games um, um, you know, I know a group of them are already buying hotels and planning for the the opening weekend in Arlington, that that initial game, that kickoff game. So, um, so I think yeah, so I think with Birmingham, you have that like really, um, kind of good core, like you do with some of these other XFL teams too. And I'm excited to see kind of how you know bringing all that together. Um, I mean, I think that, again, that going back to what we were talking about earlier, like one of the nice things about this merge league is like you're basically getting like the eight strongest markets right in terms of support from from teams right like and the usfl side birmingham memphis um you know and and michigan were the three teams that were really like in their cities and kind of on the ground there and then you take houston and sort of put them in houston and kind of build on what the roughnecks were doing and then you keep markets like dc and st louis and san antonio and arlington i mean in terms of like attendance and support and passion again kind of like if the, if you if you don't get it from these eight teams, you're not going. Well, to. it's not like we 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 wouldn't have got it from the other other options we had. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm afraid. So, um, so I, I'm hopeful uh, on that front. Understood. Let's do two more questions. Uh, yeah, here's a good one. This is your department too. Jay said, "Hey guys, who do you see being the starter QB? Adrian Martinez or Jamar Smith for the Stallions? Smith did lead the Stallions to the championship in 2022." Which one would be your preference? I'm going to let you take that, Luke. Yeah, that's a tough question. So um, I would say I see Jamar being the starter week one. Um, and, and I would say that he's my preference just because, like, 
I know what the guy can do. Um, he's a great quarterback. He led us to the championship in 2022. He he beat out uh, Alex Magoo for the starting job in 2023 to begin the year. Obviously, um, if you follow the USFL, you know kind of what happened with him getting injured and Magoo coming in and end up being the league MVP. But, you know, I think uh, it's Jamar's job to lose, so to speak. Now, obviously, I think Martinez has a ton of potential, just both from watching his college film and kind of knowing what he can do and how he could maybe fit in to what Skip Holtz likes to do with his offense in Birmingham. And I think you know that he's got a lot of upside and potential because when the Stallions released their protected roster, there was four quarterbacks on the roster at the time, Jamar, Adrian Martinez, and then a guy named Jalen Morton, who kind of served as Alex Magoo's backup all of last year after Jamar got hurt and who Skip Holtz and, and a lot of players on the team spoke very highly of. And he spent some time in the CFL and um, some other places, put up really impressive numbers at Prairie View A&M uh, in Texas. And then the fourth guy was Kyle Sloter, who, you know, was all USFL in 2022, obviously kind of struggled with Arlington in 2023, but um, is obviously a great quarterback and like a well-known player in these kind of spaces. And they only chose to protect two of those guys. One was Jamar, obviously, and the other was Martinez. And they let uh, Morton and Sloter go unprotected. Now, they were able to get Morton back, but um, they they didn't keep Sloter, obviously. And um, But the fact that they, they wanted to keep um, – uh, Martinez and make sure that they didn't lose him, I think goes to show that they they think they got something there in him. And so what I would say is going back to 2022, in 2022, Alex Magoo was the starter at the beginning of the year and Jamar was the backup. And as uh, as as Mike pointed out, Jamar played for Skip in college. So a lot of the reason they brought Jamar in, I think, was was not necessarily it's not that they didn't think he was talented he's obviously talented but I think a part of it was hey we like this Alex Magoo kid and what we think he can do let's bring out uh, Jamar in as as the backup because he knows the system he's been in the system all throughout college like he gives us kind of a sure option and uh when Alex went down in year one in 2022 Jamar stepped in and really kind of um you know, put the league on notice of what he was capable of. And then when Alex kind of got healthy, what you kind of saw was Jamar was kind of still the starter, but Skip never really gave up on Alex. Like he would find ways to get him in the game, whether it was like kind of a specific package or, um, you know, he even put him in at wide receiver at one point, just trying to get him the ball because he knew what he could do with his legs. Like it was kind of weird, but it was clear that they wanted to kind of use both of them in some capacity. And I wouldn't be surprised to kind of go back to the original question. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jamar be the starter um, you know, throughout the year, but I don't think that means that you never see Martinez. I think there's some packages, there's some plays, there's some formations that they find ways to get him on the field because of what he can do with his legs. Um, and and Jamar is you know somewhat mobile too, but but not to the extent that Martinez is. Martinez is kind of like Alex Magoo in that way, and and like probably even more so can do things with his legs than Alex could. Um, and so I think my guess is that Martinez is kind of probably seen as potentially eventually going to maybe be sort of the the guy in Birmingham, assuming he doesn't end up in the NFL or something like that. But I think for the time being, it's it's Jamar's job to lose. But I do think you see not necessarily like a two quarterback system, but I think, you know, kind of like maybe DC did with like Derek King, where they like got him, you know, in with his legs at points last year, you know, kind of to change a pace with with Tamu um, or, you know, some other teams like uh, the Roughnecks. I know they had Brandon Silvers, then was a Cole McDonald who, you know, sometimes they would kind of, you know, they were maybe more of a, a sort of a two quarterback kind of system, but um, but I do think all that to say, I think Jamar is the starter, but I think you you see some of Martinez, and especially as the year goes on, and as he gets maybe more comfortable in the system, you might see more and more of him. And then, of course, there's always injuries, and like you just never know what's going to happen. So, 
Long way of saying, I think it's Jamar's team. I think Jamar's the guy. I think he's the starter. But um, I think certainly Martinez is sort of waiting in the wings, so to speak. Understood. Good answer, because I could have never broke that down that much. You can tell you really know your subject matter, man. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, fortunately, you know, Jamar's been there kind of since day one. So he's one of those guys I can I can talk a lot about because there's there's a lot of memories and stories and uh, history there with uh, with two full seasons kind of behind us. Yeah, and going back and researching, he hits that injury, and then that's basically mm -hmm. all you hear about him in that season from yeah. my research at least. No, you're right. He never came back, so it was bad enough he had to have surgery, and because it's a shorter season, you know, only 10 weeks. What um, was the injury? So he tore, like, some ligaments and tendons, like, in his, his like, hand and finger, and it was kind of one of the situations where they had, I think, kind of go in and surgically open it up and, and sort of repair it, and then he had to have a cast on, and it was on his – uh. I can't remember. I don't, I think it was on his left hand. So not his throwing hand, but um, you know, still it was kind of one of those things that it was enough that because of the shortness of the season, um, you know, he wasn't going to be able to come back in time. And then obviously Alex Magoo just went like supernova when he came in. And so at that point, like JMR didn't really need to come back. There was no point, <clears throat> point in like, you know, risking aggravating the injury or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, so, you're yeah. good. That's why you I drink that water, dude. <laughs> That's, that gets me too you're good man take what you need you're fine you can tell i've been talking too much <laughs> yes yeah, two days of it'll get you once you get you start going on like two hour lives it really does exhaust you after after about an hour i know things start kind of get questionable where you got to think about what you're saying a little harder but you sound good man i appreciate your takes we got one yeah, more absolutely. question and let's if you do it push through it cool if not yeah, no yeah worries. i'm good I'm good. So who does Luke have winning in Arlington? 330-24. I love this move, having champ versus champ. Yeah, it's tough because there's been so much roster change this offseason because of the merger. So, you know, we had the dispersal drafts, and then we had the super draft, and now we have free agency. So it's one thing to compare both teams, right, like – 2023 Renegades, 2023 Stallions. But that's not necessarily what you're getting, right, when these two teams play um, on March 30th. I think it's going to be a great game. I think, you know, the – I think the Stallions are really known for their offense and for what they were able to do last year, again, especially with Alex Magoo and some of the weapons they had around him. And I think, you know, Arlington for most of the season was really known for their defense. So I think it is kind of, you know, strength, strength versus strength kind of type situation. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go with the stallions, of course, like, well, that's your team. Uh, I wouldn't expect nothing right. less to be honest. And, and part of that is because honestly, you know, in 2022, after we won the championship, when we were heading into 2023, I kind of got a little nervous just because I saw what all the other teams were doing in the way that they were able to add new guys and, and sort of build their rosters. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're, we're that much better anymore than these other teams. And uh, I was especially nervous about the breakers. They they added McLeod Bethel Thompson from the CFL, who was like a big name quarterback, you know, really experienced, new coach, and and some other good new players. And they were close to beating us in 2022. So I was like, man, this might kind of push them over the edge, where you know we might we might not be top dogs anymore. And actually, at the beginning of the year, you know, I mean, we we lost to them. They started off the season four and zero, and and we kind of were were. Uh, we struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, but 
as the season went on, like it was just very clear that the Stallions were still kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. And I think that's just a credit to Skip Holtz, to our general manager, Zach Potter, to the core on the team that they've sort of built. Um, that's, that's still there. Like, and all those pieces are still there. Understood. So as long as all those pieces are still there, like I just can't bet against the Stallions, you know? Um, and that's, that's nothing to take away from the Renegades because like, I love Luis Perez, obviously like I was going back to, you know, how he opened the show, like the Birmingham iron, like he's my guy. So it's hard for me to bet against him. And obviously Bob Stutes is, is, you know, a legendary coach and they've got an incredible defense. And like with all these things that are happening this off season, like these teams are only getting better. Um, but I know what the, the Stallions have been able to build over the last two years. And I think, um, one way that I do think the Stallions have a sort of a leg up on a lot of other teams is, um, I think I could be, let me, let me think before I say this. No, I, I'm actually right. I'm right about this. So the Stallions are the only team that are going into their third season with like the same coach and system, right? Like we've got some other teams like the Panthers and um, you know, the, what are now the roughnecks that are going into a third year, but they've had new coaches. They've had coaching changes. Like and they you, haven't had this. You say that, you mean the USFL division, correct? Or do you right. Mean yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I just didn't know if you meant it. Yeah. As a whole. Yeah, yeah, no, just um, in terms of the USFL division, I mean, obviously with the the XFL side, you've got, you know, I guess you could say, you know, um, sort of we, some of these teams are going into a third year, but uh, it's still kind of not quite the same as what the Stallions have because this is the Stallions, if you look at both conferences, right, are the only team with three consecutive seasons um, where they're the, the same coach, same system, same core group of guys. Obviously, like, you know, Bob Stoops was with the Renegades in 2020. This will be his third season with them. But obviously, there's a big difference between the 2020 roster and the 2023 Agreed. roster. And, you know, the 2020 team didn't even get a full season in and all that kind of – all those kinds of factors, right? Like, they had Landry Jones, right? Like, where is he now? So, um, whereas, like, the Stallions, like, our starting quarterback in 2024 is going to be the guy that led us to the championship in 2022. Um, our starting running back in 2024 is going to be the guy that started both the last two seasons for us and won a championship, right? Like we have Victor Bolden coming back uh, from 2022, who was like the MVP championship, but we also have Deion Kane, who was the MVP in the championship in 2023, you know, and that's just the offensive side of the ball. We have an, our, our entire offensive line back from this past season. Um, and, you know, uh, most of our defensive players back, there's been a little bit more of an overhaul in the defense because that's been a little bit more of a, of a weakness of ours. So I think they really tried to strengthen that, that area, but, um, but, but all that to say, I mean, I think, I think the Stallions have a leg up on everyone just with that sort of continuity um, that no other team on either either conference has quite that same degree of, of continuity, whether it be because of coaching changes, the merger, the XFL stopping and starting, you know. So when you <clears throat> when you take all that into account, um, you know, I certainly don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. I think it's going to be a great game. And, and, and there's a lot of unknown, right, because like these are two different teams from two different leagues and it's just hard to say. Um, but I think the level of play is pretty similar. I mean, obviously, a lot of the guys that were in the USFL in 20, 2022 went over to the XFL in 2023. And so <clears throat> there's enough kind of overlap there that I think it's going to be fairly similar in ways. And again, given the Stallions kind of continuity and sort of having that third year that just I think that gives them there. It's almost like you're running a race. Right. But they they got to get a little bit of a head start. And so um, I I, I think, you know, but the game's in Arlington, right? Like that'll be, that'll be uh, uh, the stands, you know, the first year they never had to play on the road um, until the the postseason. And then last year um, they, they had to play on the road some, but still not, not as, as much. 
uh, as some of these other teams have. So like the living in Arlington, playing in Arlington, like that's all going to be new for them. So there'll, there'll be some things that are different, right? That that's not necessarily the same as the past two years. So you really never know um, what what'll happen, especially with the game game of football. But um, but if I if I'm if I I'm not really a betting man, but if I was, I I can't bet against this bet, bet against the Stallions. I mean, logically, it makes total sense. I'll go right there with you because a lot of positions were were, were changed or, or people that were playing for those renegades are not there anymore that were some key pieces. But we also have that QB battle. You've got completely different quarterbacks in Arlington. It's hard right. to really gauge what they're going to do, whereas in, with the Stallions, you can kind of already see the history there and what the, what they may unfold with, with the guys that's already familiar with the offense. A lot of people are saying Luis Perez trades is what I'm hearing. He's going to be traded or something like that. And it, it makes sense. But then again, why would you trade your seasoned veteran to, to, right. you know, to give somebody a chance that you're not sure of? And, you know, Stoops knows what he's doing. If there's one guy right. that I can say confidently, it's, it's definitely him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to question. <clears throat> well, I'll put it this way. It's tempting to question what they're exactly they're doing. Cause yeah, when you have Luis Perez, it's like, you would think you've got your guy, you know? Um, but I like Holton Ayers a lot who they brought in. I mean, he was a guy that at one point I was like, you know, if the Stallions need a backup or a third string, like that's a guy I would like for us to bring in. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think with some of the other, you know, and then Lindsey Scott, you know, I mean, he like put up just like insane numbers uh, in college and stuff. So it's like, I mean, I think whoever they have at quarterback, it's hard for me to imagine it's not going to be Perez, especially week one. But, I mean, whoever whoever they have is like, it's going to be a good player. Um, I think it's just some questions. Like, my question is, you know, I think, again, like on the Stallion side, we kind of know, know what to expect a little bit more. I think they're going to hit the ground a little bit running. I think there's more questions in Arlington. Um, agreed. But, agreed, agreed. again, there's no doubt that they've got good players and good coaching. Yeah. So, certainly can't count them out. It'll be a good game to start it off, and I'm excited for that. And you know, I, there's something I haven't really shared with with my my people is the 30th is actually my birthday. So nice, it's awesome that the season's going to kick off. You know, on my birthday. I mean, it feels like it's this is the year. You know, uh, we'll see what happens exactly though. Yeah, yeah. No, that'll that'll be fun. That's a, uh, um, you know, it's it's a good thing. It's not like you know your your girlfriend or spouse's birthday or something like that <laughs> you're right. like, like my wife's birthday is really close to march 30th but it's not on march 30th thankfully so um i'll be able to to go to the game and all that kind of thing but uh you know if it was my birthday then that would be even better because then i could just be like well this is what i want to do and nobody can <laughs> nobody can question me so so that'll be a fun way to celebrate <laughs> no doubt no doubt looking forward to it oh pat pat rafino is checking in what's up pat how you doing man Pat's the man. He is the man. I, I love how he he mentioned that uh, Landry Jones is a construction manager. I don't know if that's true or not, but like, it fits the bill. Like, <laughs> like I could see it. I thought you were talking about like on an offense. <laughs> yeah, I, I. He's like he said he's a construction manager and he owns a D one. Like I guess one of those gyms. So like, um, I do remember him because like some people mentioned like Pat mentioned like he was like you know the big signing and supposed to be the face of the league in twenty twenty and then like that that did not quite work out um mm -mm. how we we thought it might but mm -mm. old but dallas about these leagues you know yeah you never really know the guys that you maybe like we, we talked about this at one point earlier but you know that sometimes the guys you think 
are uh you know all that does that guy's definitely going to go in and dominate it's not necessarily the case and some guys emerge that you really never never expect to so yes sir yes sir well luke i appreciate your time dude i got you out of here in under two hours so there you go a couple minutes to spare it's been a good conversation man i look up to catching up you know i look forward to catching up with you again in the future yeah absolutely Uh, thanks for having me on i appreciate it appreciate your opinions your knowledge and yeah man anytime you want to come on you let me know you're always welcome back seriously um sounds great i've got your stuff rolling at the bottom i'll stick it all in the notes like i always do um is there anywhere else people should be looking for you or do you want to plug something before you roll out no i think that's pretty pretty much it right now i'm just mostly like i said earlier on twitter um so luke miller pfn i i do for a pro football newsroom if you if you go to you know just google pro football newsroom or pfnewsroom.com um i do write articles you know that show up on there that are again kind of related to the stallions and we've got other stuff on there as well and and um, it, it, we mentioned it earlier, but we've got a new show we're trying out Monday nights. Uh, we're calling it Around the UFL. So it's like seven of us, and it's kind of crazy and, you know, half comedic, half serious UFL talk. So, you know, uh, if that's your sort of cup of tea, you can always check that out. But um, we'll see. I've got, I've got some other ideas, some other things that are maybe be in the works coming down the line. But if you, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll, you'll be up uh, with all those things. So. For sure, for sure. Thanks again, Luke. You let me know if you need Absolutely. anything or, or if you ever want to come back, man. Be safe and hopefully we'll get to catch up at a game this season. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, sir. Adios. All right. Thank you, Luke, man. Good show. Good conversation. Uh been waiting to speak with him for probably about a month, and I'm glad we could finally do it. It very down to earth guy. Really loves his content, USFL content, and, and now UFL content. And if there's one I would recommend to you guys, it, it's really him. He, he really does a good job socially. He's not trying to troll. He's not trying to get clout. He, he's just sharing information and, and doing things that he loves and what he loves, he presents. So Super cool guy. appreciate you, Luke. All right, before we wrap it up, we have the new show. And this is what I've been waiting on. This would be my last rebrand of, of the season, I hope. Uh, the show isn't going to change too much. I'm going to change a lot of things. We're going to try to make it look a little more professional as we go. And uh, try to do things a little better in terms of uh, just showmanship and, and graphics and such. But what I really wanted to convey when I, when I did this switch is, you know, this is the XFL Insider Podcast. And, and I put Insider on there. And by an insider, I didn't mean that I was the insider, uh, that we were, I, I basically just meant that we were getting inside XFL and we're going to discuss it, hash it out, and then display this information for everyone to see. It's been such a pleasure. I've had so many guests that are experts in their field, whether it's football, uh, like like our football or, or another football or or players and it's been such a such a good time and i really appreciate everyone that's watched and and partaking in the show and the festivities and just supporting us and the team um rounding out what i'm saying is is i really want to make this more of a team project i want i want us all to come together to be insiders i want everybody to have some kind of hand in this pot so that we're getting the best news and shows that we can possibly get. And so without further ado, I'm going to play you my little video and see what you think. 
All right, guys. So that's it. It's the UFL Insiders podcast. We're going to switch it up a little bit. Like I said, I want everyone to be an insider. It doesn't matter if you're a fan, an expert, a writer, a player, a coach. Like, let's get on board and let's get this thing moving. It it never was about me with this show. And that's something I really want to highlight. It's about everyone else. And that's what I want to stick to. So keep watching, keep following. We're going to keep bringing people on, guests, experts, and, and really center in on this UFL content. It, it, I, I've separated the interview portions from the show so that I can interview individuals that aren't related to UFL and it, it gives them the spotlight they need. So now that we can really fo- focus on this UFL stuff and, and that's kind of what I want to roll with. Um, it, it, I hope you like it, guys. And check in next week for next week's episode. We'll have Mark Perry on from um, UFL News Hub. And we're going to have a new intro. I'll have some new things going. And, and it should be a change of pace. Going to try to shorten the episodes up. But honestly, it's kind of hard sometimes. It, we get these conversations going. And I don't want to stop. Just like tonight with Luke. I mean, we spent 40, 50 minutes just talking about him and kind of getting to know him before we got into the subject matter so that when he's speaking, you can really understand what he's talking about and his point of view. So once again, appreciate everyone. This will be the last episode of the XFL Insider Podcast. I will not be doing any more. We will now be rebranding to the UFL Insiders Podcast. Uh, great team behind me. Great partners with this website. We got some really good things going and I appreciate each and every one of you. Once I can finally get some time to sit down, we're going to make a news uh, official statement about our partners and our team and everything. But it it's such a pleasure to have everyone organized here and, and like doing what they love, man. It, it's not about clout. It's not about money because no one's getting paid from this team. Nobody, not me. I'm spending money. It, it's about the league. It's about spring football. It's about being a fan and loving football and loving every aspect of it regardless if you agree or not. Uh, it, it, I'm excited and look forward to it. I know we'll have Mark Perry on. And then, you know, honestly, I quit doing monthly schedules because people were kind of stealing my guests. So just check in two to three days prior to each Tuesday. Should have a show rolling every Tuesday from now on unless something comes up. As far as the interview series, that's going to probably be a Thursday night show. I may switch that between depending on who I'm interviewing and when they need to actually, you know, get on live. But yeah, man, appreciate all you guys for listening and following. Uh, this is Matthew signing out of the last XFL Insider podcast episode. I've, it's been a pleasure. I've grown. I've, I've done things I never thought I'd do. Uh, I've seen things I never thought I'd seen. And, you know, we're just getting started. This is the year. And I'm very confident in that. So grab the reins, guys, and hold on, because I promise we're coming and we're going to show up. Thank you all for listening and supporting. We'll see you all next week. Mark Perry, uh, UFL News Hub. Thank you.